The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Howard Jones wrote and performed incredibly unique hits in the 80s with his pioneering synthesizer sound, bursting onto the music scene in 1983 in what was then called the Second British Invasion. Howard has sold over 8 million albums worldwide and performed at the historic Live Aid concert in 1985. And like a lot of artists, Howard is hitting the road soon and is releasing new material. I've got Howard Jones on the line right now in the UK. Howard, welcome back to the show. Okay, thank you, Jim. It's great to speak with you again. Your new album, Dialogue, was this something that you were working on during lockdown or even before that? Um, you know, it was uh, it was it was conceived during uh, during lockdown. Uh, you know, I had plenty of time to uh, to. Uh, I've got studio at home, you know, and I, I, I it was great actually because when you when you've got lots of time, you can really assess everything you're doing and sort of step away from it, come back the next day, and then know whether you know what you did yesterday is any good. Um, and I just loved having the time, but I I just didn't want to write lyrics at during that because I had to wait until things had, you know, got a lot better and, and frame of mind and more positive and more hopeful because uh, I wanted the lyrics to be, you know, real cheerlead, cheerleader stuff, you know, because um, that's what I do, you know. So, so yes, it was, it was, it was great having the time. Though. It was a, amazing. Uh, that is what you do. I mean, your music over the years has always been very positive, and the, the single, the first single on the album, I Believe in You, Yeah, I'm assuming it's meant to lift people up who were not dealing so well with the isolation of the moment. Yeah, yeah yes, yes it, exactly. I know. I, I felt that, um, you know, one of the things that it, it, it did for, for me and, and other people is sort of, you start to lose a little bit of confidence about interacting with people again and it's amazing how that can creep up and I thought you know for people who uh, you know feeling a bit under and a bit lacking in confidence like I wanted to you know I believe in you you know you're you're great don't stop believing in yourself and and yeah so that was a great um, you know single to release first because it was really a reaction to the pandemic time you know I love it. Brilliant song. Uh, and you are known as a bit of a wizard in the studio. So technology being what it is these days, is it less complex to recreate what you do in the studio now on the road than it used to be, maybe? Um, yes, it, 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 is, it, it is. Yes, you're right. It, it's easier to do that. Um, I mean, the difficult bit is, is, is creating the stuff in the first place because, because people have access to so much technology at home in, on their iPad and their, and their, their, you know, their home computers, that if you're a serious sort of, you know, pioneering type, then you have to put in much, much more work to be, to create something that's, that's different and, uh, and original. So, and then once you've done that, transferring it to the live show is, has become easier, but it's still we still spend weeks <laughs> weeks doing it because we're such perfectionists. You know, it's like you better make sure that it sounds incredible because you've got no excuse. But you know, um, because there's not you don't have live mics on stage, just my vocal mic. The the sound should be pristine and 
amazing. So spend a lot of time mixing it again for live, you know, and making sure the bass is right. You know, I mean, there's so many things. We're just obsessed. We're obsessed I, with sound. I interviewed uh, Alan Parsons just a few years ago, and he said that it took technology a few years to catch up before he could even go out on the road and perform iRobot. So I guess that tells you something, right? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Like everyone else, it's very exciting, I'm sure, for you to get back out in front of people. And this time, you're featuring your friend, alternative music legend, Midge Ure from Ultravox, who I love. Yeah. That had to be great for you to pick up yeah. the phone and him to say, yeah, let's do this. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I really I really wanted to assure him that we would really look after him on this tour. It was such a privilege to have him. You know, I'm a huge fan of Ultravox and everything that he's just done his solo career and even before yeah. Ultravox. Um, you know, I mean, is it, it, he, and, and also, I mean, Mitch is a really good friend. So I don't have many friends, you know, proper friend friends in the business, but Mitch is one of them. He, he lives reasonably close to me, lives up in Bath. And so uh, so we see each other quite, quite regularly and we talk, you know, so... Um, to have him on the on you know with us on the cruise space it's gonna be great i can't wait to get out there <laughs> <laughs> i can hear it i i feel that energy i heard you say in a in a past interview that you as a younger guy as an opening act for for other bands you might have had a little bit of a chip on your shoulder when it came to be to, when it came to being the opener whereas now you the more mature howard jones you're grateful and you understand that's how you have to be yes exactly and and um yeah and, and it's really important to look after the people who are with you on, on the road and make sure they get great light and great sound and they get the full full benefit you know, because because you love their work and and you you got you know you, I, I yeah I definitely I, I that's something that yeah I think that young bands you know they're so full of themselves <laughs> <laughs> and they they don't realise that it's actually a privilege to to right. be having a gig at all um, and I I know I had a, a an attitude but that you know as you grow as you get get older you're like oh. Yeah, that's a bit wrong, really. <laughs> yeah, well, I saw you in the mid-'80s perform in Chicago, and, and boy, you, you were walking the walk, that's for sure. You, you deserve to be right where you were. I, I tell you this, the falling away, which is now some 30 years old, it was beautiful. Yeah. And I know that it was an effort on your part, really, to get away from the electronic music for a while, yes? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, it's interesting because I, I realized that... Um, Really, I've got sort of three stands to my work, which is the full-on electronic, and there's the sort of piano song-based, um, more acoustic instrument side, and then the third thing is piano compositions, which I've really got into, and I've got an album ready of that to come out next year. Um, so I, I, tr I try now to run them all in parallel because they can all it, it sort of represents all different sides of what I do, and and um, you know, once you get, if, you, if I get stuck on one thing, if I get stuck on something electronic, then I, I'll go, I'll do a piano solo and work on that. And if I get stuck on that, I can then do you know, more song-based stuff. And I find that really makes me more productive, really. So, um, Howard, what do you recall about uh, playing at Live Aid, which was such a huge moment in your career? Yeah, yeah, well, it was, 
it was like one of you know one of those days in your life you'll never ever forget. I only played one song, but it was my favourite song um, at the time, and probably still is. And I don't think anybody knew that I could play the piano. They thought I was just a button, a button pusher and, and um, programmer. <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to play. I wanted to play the piano, and and I was nervous as anything. You know, because I look at the people on the bill there. You know, I mean, I I think I deserved to be there because I I was selling a lot of records, and they wanted me to be part of it. But you know, I was on the stage with these these legends, so I was very very nervous and. Played, played the song, you know, the first verse, and then got to the chorus, and then 100,000 people in Wembley joined in. You know, they 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 joined in and sang their hearts out. Wow. And I, I, I was in, I was, it was a, tra- you know, one of those moments that I'll never forget. It was a wonderful experience. Howard, refresh my memory, because it's been a yeah. few years. What was the song? It was Hard and Seek. Yeah, yeah, Hard and Seek. And I think you can, you can watch it on YouTube. Um, and it still gets quite a lot of uh, views. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, yeah, so it was brilliant. And then, of course, there was all the people that I met that day. You know, I met David Bowie. I met, you know, Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney and hung out with them and chatted with them. and mind-blowing, really. That's unbelievable. Howard Jones' album, Dialogue, it's coming out, I think, in September on iTunes, Amazon, and everywhere you find your records. And the Dialogue Tour kicks off June 17th. You can always find out more at howardjones.com. So nice to catch up with you, Howard. Great luck on the new tour. Thank you so much, Yeah, Howard's album doesn't come out until the fall, but many of the singles will be released this summer. By the way, another of Howard's favorite things that he's done over the years is playing in Ringo Starr's All-Star Band. That finishes this episode of the Fake Show Podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. It's just-